This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. So much to talk about today. We'll get to Damian Lillard, 55 points in a playoff loss to Denver. I want to use that in a couple of different contexts, including something uh, I'd like to see with the Timberwolves um, in a little bit here. Talk to Rob Refsnyder, Twins outfielder, having a really nice season for them and a you know very much a fill-in role by necessity. Um, talk to him a little bit later in the show. Really fun conversation, so hope you enjoy that as well. But first, what did I miss? Zach Parisi talked. A lot of wild players talked to the media, kind of their uh, their last post post year session, kind of tying a bow around this. I like when teams do this. I like when there's a lot of, you know, when, when players you know, we get to talk to them one more time when the, when there's this big access period at the end of the year, and usually it's, you know, usually it's in in person. Usually it's in this kind of you know, the big locker room clean out day. Uh, but the Wild did a bunch of zooms on. Uh, on Tuesday to try to kind of tie a bow around a very successful season, but a very difficult season for Zach Parisi. You know, if this was a year of really good news, of really positive stories for the Wild, with you know Kirill Kaprizov coming in and playing the way he did and elevating this franchise, uh, with Cam Talbot coming in and really solidifying what they want to do in goal, with some other you know players taking steps forward, Joel Erickson Act taking a step forward. You know some of their some of their other younger players getting better. Some of their signings coming through. Uh, Zach Parisi. This was probably the it was probably is not even the right word. This was definitely the most trying season of his career. You remember, he got you know, got benched for a game um, earlier in the year after a, after a lapse during during the game. Um, you know, cost cost the wild essentially cost the wild a game. Got, got them pinned in their zone, game tying goal, and then they lost in overtime scratched a whole bunch down the stretch the only game he played down the stretch was the one where wild didn't really care because the the season the season was basically done the seating was all determined so it was the last game of the regular season other than that he had sat quite a bit down the stretch watched from the press box watched all three of the first three playoff games from the press box as well then comes in does well in the playoffs um, you know, we, we've talked about this before, but game, you know, game four, he, he does okay. The Wilds still lose game five has a huge goal in, in that win. Game six has a huge assist in that, in that win. And then game seven, not his fault. He had a goal in that game. Um, even though they lost six, two. Now, some of the possession metrics that you look at, some of the, the, the more advanced stats say Zach Parise, he still did not play well in the playoffs and, you know, maybe that's never quite been a hundred percent of his game, um, but it, it does suggest that he, you know, some of some of what was going on this year with him not playing as much was warranted uh, because it was kind of a continuation of how he played. But you know, you cannot deny the production at the same time. He had meaningful points in 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 games five, six, and seven for a team that was really struggling to score. So, what do you do? What does the Wild do? Zach Parise didn't quite spell out exactly what's going to happen, but he had some interesting comments um, after you know after this season in Tuesday's session. I want to play a string of them for you right now, prompted by answers prompted by questions from both uh, Michael Russo, who used to work for the Star Tribune now with the Athletic, and now Sarah McClellan, also the Star Tribune's wild beat writer. Uh, there's maybe four or five questions that comprise these answers. That basically gets you to the point where Zach Priest is saying, I'm under contract. I expect to be here. I'd love to come back with a clean slate and try to win a spot. But 
also you can kind of read between the lines and how disappointing this season was for him. No, I, I don't. I don't uh, have a be a better feeling um, about what went down. But um, you know, again, I think it's it's best for those conversations to stay um, to stay in that room. I can play the game. You know, that's that's not that's not a. a a doubt in my mind there's not a doubt in my mind on that so um you know it was it was a i guess a different year from that that i've that i've ever had um uh, from that standpoint but um you know i'm again there's no there's never been any doubt in my mind that i can play the game and be productive and and contribute to this team um and help this team win the hardest part, I think the hardest part is watching your teammates play, um, you know, not, not, not practicing on a line, um, you know, consistently, but, uh, but watching, I think watching them play in the playoffs, um, for those first three games was, 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 was brutal. Um, you know, you, you, you play the game and, and you, you know, you start, you start each season, so excited about the season, but you know, with the with the prospect of of playoffs and playing in playoffs, and then you know when you're wa- when you have to watch your team play, um, that's tough. That was that was hard. You know, as far as the communication, I I you know I don't know where really where it went south. To be honest, I don't. I'm not sure. Yeah, you know, like I said, I, I I mean, I've got the term left on the deal and I plan on being here um, in training camp next year. And I haven't, you know, I haven't been told otherwise. So um, that's, that's right now. That's, uh, that's my intention. And, and I don't, uh, I don't want to speculate any other way. And I don't want to, you know, cause any speculation any other way either. Now, Parisi was asked in, you know, various forums, do you think you might get traded? Do you want to be traded? How can you kind of resolve what's going on here? He more or less took the high road. You can kind of read the li- read between the lines, and he didn't want to get into what was said in his exit interview with, you know, with with management on Tuesday that happened right before his media session. You know, basically saying all the right things, but you still do get the sense that there could be more to come in this story. Could be more comments from Zach Parisi at some point if you know if, if and when this doesn't get resolved in some kind of meaningful way. So this is going to be one of the big off-season stories for the Wild, um, no doubt about it. The other big one, probably expansion, um, you know, a, in, in tandem with can they keep a lot of their free agents happy, restricted free agents, uh, because they got a lot of good ones. But expansion, I think Matt Dumba t- touched on that. Um, that. That's a player they could risk losing, just the way their contracts are structured, the way you know, with the way everything shakes out, he could be the odd man out. Not a guy you want to lose if you're the Wild, but uh, he he could be the odd man out with with Seattle coming into expansion and the number of players you can protect. So, a lot of old contracts kind of coming back to 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 bite the Wild. Still, not a surprise, but uh, that that's kind of the that's kind of the way they're they're living right now. This is it's gonna be a tricky off season for Bill Garrington to get to navigate. Matt Dumba, part of it. Zach Parisi, probably front and center in the very middle of it, just like he has been for quite some time with this organization. I'm Nyla Jean Myers, Senior Assistant Sports Editor at the Star Tribune. Thank you for listening to Strip Sports Daily Delivery. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. 
for unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast and our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Really excited to be joined today by Rob Snyder on Daily Delivery. Rob, how are you doing today? Good, good. Yeah, we were just uh, talking about uh, dad duties, so I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm on dad duty right now. I hear you. I'm, uh, I don't know if I fully told you my circumstances, but I have a, a seven-year-old, a four-year-old, both of those are girls, and then a one-year-old boy. And you are brand new to the to the dad game, right? Yeah, sounds like a fly house over there for you. Um, yeah, my son's about uh, two months. Uh, give or take a couple of weeks, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's the best thing for for sure that's happened to me. How how is dad life? I wanted I was going to ask you about it, but we're already talking about it. So what what's the uh, how is how do you feel like that has changed your experience because I, I always tell people going from zero to one is the hardest I don't I don't mean to break that to you right now because I think that's the yeah. you know you're in that right now but it's just it's a whole lifestyle change right yeah for sure uh my wife and I have been married for about five years so um yeah so it's a complete um you know I guess reversal of what what we've known as uh as being a married uh couple and She's doing amazing. She's doing an incredible job of just living her life on minimal minimal sleep. Um, I'm kind of a morning person, so I, I try to take the, the morning shift from like 7 to 11 and try to get her a couple of extra hours before I leave to go to the ballpark. So uh, my wife's been she's been she's been doing great. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. It's it's really cool to be able to be in the big leagues and kind of experience everything. I guess for the first time again with with a, a young a young baby and um you know have your wife and and wife and kid at the, the at the ballpark. It's it's uh it's pretty special. And your son's name is Drake. Am I right? Yes. That's cool. And it, it, and if I'm not mistaken, were you married at the Drake Hotel? Is there a Drake theme in your life? <laughs> Yeah, um, so my, my wife's main name is Drake, and yeah, we were uh, married at the Drake Hotel in Chicago, so um, at first, you know, when she, she brought it up, I was like, oh, you know, maybe, but it's definitely grown on me for sure, and, you know, hopefully by the time he's in, uh, you know, that uh, that cool stage of being a teenager, Drake isn't as, uh, as popular as he is now, so it, he won't be, <laughs> you know, made fun of, hopefully, for that, but uh, yeah. It's a good. I like it. it's a good. It's a good solid name. I, I like it. Don't don't uh, don't worry about it. And yeah, Drake's not going to be that popular when he when he's fifteen and stuff like that. So I, I, I got a feeling. Um, yeah, we, so yeah, we never know. You, you're doing all this, and you know you're you've been on fire with the twins, at least in the in the early going here. Um, I, I see the legend of of Rob Refsnyder tweeted a lot. Try to explain that in your own words. What is the legend of you? Honestly, it's just, uh, we, um, you know, as a whole, we, we need to get hot here as a team. Um, obviously, a lot of injuries and, and starting off a little bit slow. You know, people, uh, I guess, kind of lose the sight of, like, uh, a lot of misfortune with extra inning games and things like that. It could be a completely different season, but obviously no excuses. Uh, we got some work to do, and, and uh, that's kind of where we're at, just trying to win series and play good baseball and, Honestly, I, I think we're right on the cusp of that. You know, uh, Nelson just came back from, uh, you know, not playing for a little bit. And some guys are starting to swing the bat pretty well, and guys are starting to pitch well. And, and I think guys are starting to, you know, figure out the roles in the bullpen and the bench. And 
and, and things like that. So I, I think, um, obviously some poor baseball and some bad luck, but, um, hopefully, uh, that, that can start, I guess, changing here soon. You played a role though. I mean, you, you know, you came out and you, you had you know, a <laughs> bunch of games where you, you were, you were a major contributor. How, how has that felt, you know, especially, you know, you start the year, you're not on, on the, on the big league club, you, you know, you're with, you know, you're with St. Paul and you're trying to work your way back up here. How, how does it feel to contribute so so soon and in a meaningful way? Yeah. I mean, obviously you try to play cool and things like that, but it it would be really cliche for me not to, to say like, it's, it's, uh, it's nice kind of stepping into a role and, and playing well and, and the team starts winning and things like that. But, uh, um, you, I guess, uh, you just try to prepare as much as possible. Obviously center field is, um, uh, you know, <clears throat> is Buck's position and I'm, I'm excited. I, I can kind of just hold down the position until he's healthy. And, and I know <clears throat> I just got a progress from the training staff that, um, that he, he's getting here soon and he's running and, uh, you know, hopefully some rehab games here soon. Get Buck, who's having a, you know, pretty special start to the season, get him back here soon. And uh, I think guys, uh, guys are really excited for that. So, um, yeah, it's obviously nice to step in and contribute right away. I, I would uh, be lying to say if, uh, that wasn't, you know, pretty special for me. You came up, um, you know, with the Yankees organization, right? And what's, what's that like? I mean, pressure wise or just, you know, organization wise when you, you know, when you, not only when you, you know, play well in the minor leagues and, and, you know, people start to recognize you as a prospect, when you're, when you're a Yankees prospect, what, what is, what, what's that level of, you know, kind of anticipation like as, as a young player? Yeah, to be honest, I was never really a prospect in the sense of like a top prospect kind of thing. It was more of this, so mm-hmm. like, uh, I was kind of coming through the system and they, they had me play second base. And obviously there was a little bit of a need there at middle infield and things like that. So I kind of got, I guess, thrust upon that, you know, spotlight of, uh, you know, a younger player maybe come through the system. And I had a, there was a bunch of, you know, really, really amazing players behind me. So. Uh, I guess I was one of the first few to kind of, you know, kind of dip their toes and maybe the new, you know, players coming in. The Yankees had such a great, you know, generation of, you know, amazing veterans and things like that. So um, uh, I never, I, mean, I was never really a prospect kind of thing. I was kind of flew under the radar. And then it's more of like, uh, I guess, right time, right place, right time kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, obviously the Yankees, um, you know, the fan base is incredible and, and, you know, the recognition and things like that. It's just the, it's the New York Yankees and I guess like the Boston Red Sox, Dodgers kind of thing. So um, things are always, you know, I guess a little bit blown out of proportion is the best way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> the, the microscope, I imagine, is, is fairly significant, even, even if, like you said, you weren't, you know, a a top prospect. Once you get to the big league club, I imagine there's, you know, it's it, the day in and day out is, is, is a lot to, uh, a lot to yeah. handle. Yeah. I'm sure you're familiar with it. I mean, the, the, the daily media and the, the fan base, oh, yeah. it's, it's pretty, it's pretty intense in, in a good way uh, is uh, I guess how I like to put it. Now you, you played with a lot of different organizations. You, you sign with, you know, sign with the twins, you know, uh, in the off season, when you, you know, you get to be, I think, what, are you 30 now? Is that correct? Yeah. When you're 30 and you've, you've been with a lot of different teams, I mean, how, do you start to wonder at a certain point, like, will I get another chance and what 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 can I do with my next chance if I do get it? 
Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I guess to give some of your listeners perspective, it's uh, once you get to a position like mine, it's you try to find an organization that you know you know some people you feel comfortable with. Uh, I played with the Rays a little bit when Rocco was there on the coaching staff of the Rays, and then um, you know um, Mike Bell was with the um, the Diamondbacks when I signed with the Diamondbacks. So those two names, and uh, I guess I had a, a pretty good relationship with both those guys. I was like, oh, I mean, the Twins and, you know, St. Paul, and it's close to, you know, Minneapolis, so it's it's good for my family, so maybe less of a move there. All kind of things you kind of take into account. Um, so, yeah, all those kind of factors kind of, you know, went into me signing with the Twins and, um, yeah. You three sport athlete in high school, correct? And then how did you know when when did baseball become the 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 one that you were like this is this is this is the sport for me? Um, I guess more of a necessity of being able to afford to go to college. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Um, obviously during the oh eight, I was the oh eight oh nine um, kind of financial crisis. Um, you know, some families were hit harder than others. Um, my sister went to a really nice school. Tuition was kind of expensive. So, um, you know, obviously I wanted to play a sport in college, and I think baseball gave me the best opportunity to come in, give my family a little bit of a financial break uh, to go to school. So, I mean, I loved baseball and things like that. Uh, I never really knew if it was going to be something I could do professionally just because, you know, yeah. I, I guess I had a good, I guess, perspective on everything that, you know, yeah, I mean, it's such a crapshoot, right? Like, yeah, you, you can always say that you're maybe good enough, but you never really know until you start competing and things like that. So I uh, just get, kind of gave my, my family a nice financial break to go to school. And um, yeah, I guess um, I got fortunate uh, with, with playing right away at, at uh, University of Arizona. Was a different sport a first love? And I know you played football. Um, what? What? Uh, I guess growing up, was there something that you were like, this? This is my first love as a sport. Yeah, my dad played basketball at uh, Muhlenberg Muhlenberg College in uh, Pennsylvania, and um, I love basketball. Basketball is probably my favorite sport. I was a big Lakers fan. Um, grew up in Southern California, so I loved going to the basketball games. But then I started competing at kind of a higher level in high school, and I was like, "Man, I'm not nowhere even close. Like, I should probably be the water boy, or the towel towel guy. Like, I can't compete with these guys." And then I played football in high school. Um, yeah, I started getting some looks in, in football, but I was like, ah, "Baseball probably be the best opportunity to to get some money and, and kind of." I guess go to a university that that I guess was interesting to me. Johnny Field. I want to ask you about Johnny Field because I just you know just poking around and doing some research for this. Uh, both of your Wikipedia pages mentioned that he was a groomsman at your wedding. That, that's it seems like a random fact to me that, that it's mentioned on both of your pages. How how close are you and Johnny? Yeah, so uh, I met Johnny when I was in school and college and. Um, Obviously stayed really close. He was one of my groomsmen in my wedding, like a, like you said in the Wikipedia thing. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, I mean, and then we played together with the Rays, which is pretty special. Uh, just right. be able to play with one of your best friends. Obviously, he had a, you know, I think it was what maybe 2018 or 19. He played for the Twins. 
Yep. Um, yeah, and he's still he's still playing baseball right now. I know. And um, yeah, uh, obviously we're super close, and um, yeah, we still keep in contact to this day for sure. That's cool. Uh, on the field, a couple more things for for you, Rob. Enjoying this conversation. What, what you know, different different players have different approaches. I'm I'm just kind of curious. What what kind of hitter are you? Do you are you someone who wants as much information as possible in this era where that is possible? Do you just want to go out and see the ball and hit it? How, how do you approach hitting? I guess I'm a little bit in the middle. Um, okay. I know all of us get iPads. Uh, for the game, things like that, and we're able to watch our bats. And I try to, I guess, digest as much information before the game as possible. But during the game, I just try to focus on the game because, you know, sometimes the pitchers, they have a scouting report, but sometimes, you know, I mean, you know how it is. Like sometimes they can't land their slider. They can't land their fastball, so they're more reliant on other things. So just try to watch the game as much as possible. Our analytics and our scouting and our hitting coaches, I mean, they do a pretty phenomenal job trying to prepare us as much as possible and give us as much or as little information as uh as we need um yeah so i'm pretty fortunate with i mean we it's just so much information so you can definitely be on the information overload but um i i just try to i guess figure out percentages of um how much he likes his fastball how much he likes his, his secondary pitches and and then once the guy gets on second base, like runners in scoring position, yeah, I guess it's it's pretty important to to figure out what he likes going to first pitch, second pitch, kind of things like that. Um, that that's uh, I guess as much information as I'd like. Um, a little bit too much, it kind of starts uh, yeah, a little paralyzed with information. <laughs> yeah, no, that that makes that makes perfect sense. It's like you know, load up on the information beforehand, and just let the instincts take over. Right, just kind of you got to you got to play at a certain point. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, I think sometimes with the younger players, uh, and even older players, I mean, pretty much everyone, um, sometimes you get a little bit too much and you kind of just like, you get, you know, I guess stuck in between. And like you said, kind of alluded to sometimes your instincts, uh, aren't able to take over because you just know so much. So, um, yeah, so I, I, I guess I've been fortunate enough to be around some good guys that try to help me with, with what information is the most, uh, I guess, um, I guess um, important for for that day. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, last thing, you're becoming a little bit of a Target Field fan favorite. What, what does that What does that feel like? Especially now that there's actually you know, starting with this year, more you know attendance is, is ramping up again, and you can actually kind of feel that a little bit. Yeah, it's great to have fans. Um, uh, you know, we're 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 starting to play some winning baseball, which is important, but um. I guess I don't know. I don't know if the fans can uh, feel that. I guess how appreciative I am of the opportunity, and I guess how hard I've, I've worked and, and working with the coaching staff. And uh, I definitely don't take it for granted. I, I, I guess I'm always kind of proud of myself on being a little bit more of a blue collar kind of person. Um, obviously, I've been more of a journeyman, kind of up and down the past couple of years. So uh, I'm not taking anything for granted. It's a great you know, I guess a special moment for, for my family and, and especially with a two month year old and things like that. So um super fortunate every time I feel like I'm in the lineup and I play as hard as I can and um it's nice having Rocco as my manager, I guess uh having that relationship from Tampa and, and just I guess a, a little bit more of a cerebral uh player and, and things like that. So um 
I don't know if fans can feel that, but it's, it's nice. I feel like they've, it's obviously nice playing well. And I, I think it's easier rooting for somebody who's, who's, who's playing well, but um, yeah, the fans have been great to me. So I'm super appreciative. I know my family is too. Awesome, Rob. Hey, I appreciate your time. Get some sleep. Um, uh, you, you're up around the time that this podcast goes up. So have, have a listen, encourage everybody else to listen. And I, I certainly appreciate your time today. All right. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. And you know, in a year when not much has gone right for the Twins, let's face it. I mean, they had a, they got they got back a little bit lately um, with some better play, but the, the injuries just keep mounting and mounting. They they lost Mitch Garver Tuesday, uh, foul ball in a very sensitive area, waiting for an update on on how he's doing. Michael Pineda had some uh, some some arms arm tightness in his start. I mean, it's it's just uncanny what they're going through right now injury-wise uh, to add on to the poor play that they had at the start of the season. Um, the ref Snyder's been a good story for them. He, he's hitting over 300, hitting 320. Um, he's hit for some power. He's he's given them some some ability in, in center field. So I, I hope to see that continue this year. You know, you never know how long someone's hot streak is going to last, but uh, really enjoyed chatting with him and, uh, you know, someone you can certainly root for this season for the Twins. Uh, AC out there in the flat. There's a ball thrown in the, uh, low. That, that isn't Snoker's fault. That intro from the late, great Jerry Burns has never applied so much to any one person on this show so far than it does to Damian Lillard uh, for his performance Tuesday night. 55 points. 55 points. 12 three-pointers made in the game against Denver, a, a you know make-or-break win, you know not winner take all, but uh, you know winner take control of the series. Both teams tied two-two going into that playoff game on the road. Fifty-five points uh, in that game had you know double-digit assists, um, yeah, ten assists, six rebounds. He blocked three shots. He's basically t- barely taller than me. Blocked three shots. Um, unbelievable, but not enough. In a 147-140 double overtime loss to Denver, so Denver takes the 3-2 lead in that series. A couple things about this: one, just watching that game um, just makes you want something like that here for the Timberwolves, doesn't it? It makes you crave the playoffs, crave something that's more sustained than the one appearance they got a few years ago. You know when Jimmy Butler was here, they lost the lost to Houston in five games. It, it it felt it was fun. You know it was at I think it was game four that I went to. Uh, you know when you know Wolves were in that game and you know had were down two one in the series at that point. But you never really felt like they were going to seriously legitimately challenge Houston in that series. So you want something more sustained than that. The other thing though is to get there. I want to look at another stat line: Nikola Jokic, thirty eight points. 11 rebounds, 9 assists, 4 blocks, a steal. The presumptive uh, NBA MVP this season is Jokic, and his career arc is what I want from Carl Anthony Towns. You go back a few years ago when, when the Wolves and Nuggets played in that game 82 to get into the playoffs, essentially. Um, Jokic had a good season that year. He was starting to emerge. He had 18 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists. He had seasons kind of similar to that. The next two years, you know, getting better with, you know, scoring a little bit more, becoming a better passer. Um, but this year, he put it all together. 26 points, 11 rebounds, 8 assists per game. He's going to be the MVP this season. 
That's what I want from Carl Anthony Towns. I, maybe he's a slightly different player than Nikola Jokic, so I'm not saying he has to have eight assists every game. I want that career arc from Carl Anthony Towns where he is going to become not just a very good player in this league, but a great player. He, he, needs, to, he needs to have that season where he goes from what he is right now to something two levels above, essentially. And that's what Jokic has done with his elevated play this year. That's what the Wolves need from Carl Anthony Towns if they are going to elevate their own presence, if they're going to elevate themselves into this position where they could become a team like Denver, where they compete in the playoffs every year, a team like Portland that competes in the playoffs every year. That's what they need right now. They need, they need a, a year like that from Carl Anthony Towns next season to really feel like this thing is going in the right direction. Let's end with the cooler. If you haven't read it yet, go check it out. Lavelle E. Neal, the third fun piece on Isabella McCauley, the Simley High School junior, playing in the Women's U.S. Open this weekend. Yeah, cool cool stuff. Read that. Star Tribune, startribune.com. Really enjoyed reading that. Good stuff from Lavelle. And, uh, yeah, we'll be watching to see how McCauley does. She's you know 17 years old playing in the U.S. Open. Pretty cool story. So check that out, Star Tribune, startribune.com. Be back at it on Thursday. I believe I'll be joined by Marcus Fuller tomorrow to talk some Gophers men's basketball recruiting and hoping to have Tyler Dunn, a journalist I really enjoy who's covered the Packers in the past on Friday's show to talk a little Aaron Rodgers and all the other things that he wants to talk about. So good stuff coming up later this week. Thanks for joining me here today. and We'll catch you again on Thursday.